Hey, it's Carolyn from Homesteading Family. Before we jump in today's pantry chat, I'd like to invite you to join me for a free four-part video series where I'm going to take you step-by-step through making high-quality dairy products in your very own kitchen. Don't worry, there's no cow required. (laughs) If you'd like to join me for the training, jump on over to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash dairy. Hey there, and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. This week, we are talking about actually an herb that's one of my favorite herbs. Of course, they're all one of my favorite herbs, right? And that is elderberry. This is um, such a great herb to know about and really to get to know because so many of us actually have it growing wild in our area. If you don't, it's something that's really accessible, really easy to get. So um, we're going to be talking with Brad and Starla Walker from Abby's Elderberry, and we're really excited to get to have that conversation. But first, here I am, for those of you guys watching on video, I'm out in the backyard. It's a nice hot day, and uh, there's a nice breeze. So if some of you guys are saying, gosh, where is she? She's not in the kitchen. It was too nice of a day to be outside to be inside uh, when we had all of this beautiful sunshine here. Here in North Idaho, when the sun is shining, you have to take advantage of it because it's not guaranteed to last for very long. So anyways, thank you for joining us today. And let's jump right in. Hello, Brad and Starla. Welcome to the Pantry Chat. It's great to have you guys here. It's good to be here. Yeah, great to be here. Good. Now you guys are in, uh, tell tell us about your spot and what you're doing. Give us a little of your background here. Tell us about your family and uh, put it all in context for us. Go ahead. Yeah. So we got married 11 years ago. We started having babies right away and we have, we've grown our family to eight children that range in age from 15 to seven Seven months. months. Uh, And we have been homesteading for probably about seven years now. Some of that was urban homesteading. And then we moved to the country on 15 acres right before COVID hit. About four months before COVID. Such a (laughs) blessing, such a provision from the Lord. Um, And then... We have been homesteading, having dairy cows and meat chickens and laying chickens and kind of all the normal homesteading things for profit. Uh, So also making money for our family while doing that. Um, I've been a massage therapist and into alternative medicine for the last 16 years. Um, I have not been. Right. So I kind of have brought Brad along into that vain over, over the last 11 years. Um, and then about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, we bought Abby's elderberry from a good friend, John Moody. Wow. So that is an elderberry farm. Is that right? So we do have elderberry on our farm. Um, but, uh, we, we bought it with uh we've been doing elderberry on our own starla Mm -hmm. started making 
our own elderberry maybe five, six, seven years ago, give or Mm -hmm. take. And, but we moved out here. I was, um, I've been a pastor vocationally uh, for most of our marriage. Mm -hmm. And uh, we bought it out here just to become a little bit more. We started raising food, um, animals, just to take control of our own food. Uh, And then I kind of have an addictive personality. So once I got started with it, I, I wanted to do it bigger. And uh, so we moved out here. We didn't even know we had elderberry on this property uh, actually until recently. So um, we have, we have wild growing uh, elderberry and we're working to cultivate. We're getting uh, the, uh, the genetic strain from, from John who uh, started Abby's elderberry and um yeah, so uh, it's all been a, an interesting journey for us. Okay, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting the places that homesteading leads us all. Our paths all end up looking very different, but mm-hmm. uh, they're always interesting, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you start throwing kids into the mix and it's like interesting exponentially. It just mm-hmm. kind of explodes and it makes it a lot of fun and very dynamic. That was the word I was saying earlier before we were on air is like the household gets a very dynamic. Everybody brings in more and more elements and more things and more ideas. And uh, that makes it really fun. But then when you bring in this, this element of supporting yourself on the homestead, Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least making some amount of money on it, it really brings in a whole nother angle and it gives you kind of this fresh look at it. So you were able to to buy a business that was already started and they were selling elderberry products. Is that correct? Yeah. So I had made the transition. We kind of had like this five-year plan when we bought this property to maybe eventually try to make some money out of it. Uh, even just part-time and it happened really quick partially because of my uh that keep doing it bigger type of personality he's Uh, a schemer that's what we call it yeah that's what i call it (laughs) um and so in january of 2022 i was able to go full-time here on the farm and so it became our sole family income. This is all we did. We did it together as a family. Uh, you know, chicken butchering days, the kids are out there helping us. Um, everybody had a job. And John has been a friend of mine. We went to college together. And he had mentioned pretty casually, um, he's speaking at conferences, he's doing this and he's doing that. And it was just more than he could give uh, his full attention to. And so he was looking for somebody to, to take it on. And we, we heard that we talked it over really quick cause we knew it wasn't gonna, and we, we jumped on the opportunity and um, John's been extremely gracious and, and helping us and, mm-hmm. and uh, helping it move forward and uh, leading us along the way and, and letting us carry on the, the name of the product that, that he built and started and, um, supports us whenever he can. So yeah, so we were able to, to, to buy that from him and, and keep running with it. 
so we're going to get into the health aspect of elderberries here in a minute, but I just want to pull this out because I know a lot of our listeners are kind of in a place where maybe they're dreaming about the idea of making some income off of their homestead right now, Mm -hmm. you know, for most people, homesteads are kind of like draining the bank. Like Mm -hmm. They're like, how can it cost this much to grow tomatoes? Right. (laughs) And so we're all trying to figure out how to, how to make it not cost a bunch, but then there's this next level dream of like, turn it around and let's make some income from it, which is very doable. But you're saying you guys had a five-year plan and I I mean, did that happen in two years, in three years? That kind of like happened faster than maybe you guys were even expecting. Yeah. I think next, next year would be year five because we've only had this, this farm for four years. So it was a two, two and a half year. Yeah. Two and a half at the most. So really what happened is COVID. Yeah. (laughs) So we have a lot of children and the government for better or worse gave us a lot of money because of that, the all the stimulus. So we just put that right back into the farm. And so instead that allowed us to have a buffer for him to go full time. And we were able to invest it into some livestock that really and infrastructure like pasture fences and things like that. Yeah. So what was a horrible time in so many ways really ended up being a providence from the Lord for our family. And then Mm. we also just took the leap of faith. Like Mm -hmm. we feel like this is where God is leading us and we're just going to make the choice to go there. And and God really has provided. The kind of the interesting thing about just our 11 years of marriage, it's constantly been like, we could like sum it up by saying like calculated risks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't think we do anything hasty, maybe like small things like that. But when it comes to big decisions, there's a point that dreams are good and the ideas are there. Um, but eventually you just, you have to, you have to do something and you have to count the cost and know like, you know, I'm going to go full time on my farm and my, my dairy cows could die, which that happened. <laughs> that happened to us. Um, but, um, you know, there's, you have to be prepared for those things. You have to count the cost, right? Nobody builds a tower and doesn't count the cost to do it. Um, but, uh, at the same time, trusting, um, that, that this is good for, for us and our family mm-hmm. and in so many other ways. And, and like Starla said, all in all, the Lord provided faithfully through it in various different ways. And mm-hmm. we found customers we never thought we would find just by social media posts, um, participating in the farmer's market, things like that. And it, it got bigger than we could. People want to support local farmers and they, they want to support our family in particular. And that has really been evident and abundant. Um, and we have multiple revenue streams. I bake bread and make bagels that we sell on our local market wagon. I'm a massagist and do some massages out of our home and, we do honey and we just have so, and that's the blessing and beauty of a homestead is that you really can have so many different revenue streams coming from 
work that you would be doing for your family anyway. You can just bump it up a little. It's just as easy to make eight loaves of bread as it is four. Yeah. They all fit in the oven. That's great. <laughs> well, that was going to be my next question is what, what all do you guys sell off of your homestead, produce and sell? So we started with um, soap. Mm-hmm. Right. That well, here that was one of the first things. But initially, we started. You know, if I can kind of tell you, the the snowball for me was we started just raising some meat chickens mm-hmm. on a quarter acre in the middle of the city. Um, her idea, my addiction, and we would have families over for dinner, and that's what we would give them. Like we would feed them one of our chickens. And it would be like, oh, this is the best chicken we've ever had. And can I get one from you? And so we would sell them a chicken. And, and then the schemer in me says, I can sell enough of these and then my chickens are free. You know, my family eats for free. <laughs> and then it was like, I could make a profit off of this. So we started doing meat chickens. Mm-hmm. Um, we, when we moved out here, uh, we kept doing meat chickens. We got some pigs. So we were doing mm-hmm. pasture raised pork. Right. Um, and eggs has always been a part of the, the game for us, but mm-hmm. it's then- egg, eggs are, you're not going to get rich doing eggs. Um, you're not going to pay your mortgage even doing eggs, much less <laughs> get rich, unless you got just thousands right. and thousands of chickens. Yeah. Milk is really where you can make some, some good money. So we got, at one time we had four Jersey cows. I was milking twice a day. And uh, at one point I was selling 50 gallons of milk a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we were doing pork, meat chickens, soap, um, the milk. Did I already I say that? That's, I think that's, that's kind of the gist. That's of mostly it. it for then. So right now, currently we don't have any milk, any any dairy. We are taking a break for a while. We had a few cows die, and it was just traumatic for us. Um, and so we're gonna take a break and try again next spring. So right, and for the past year, our focus has really been the elderberry. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've been blessed with productive beehives this year. So uh, honey has been a good product for us. And then um, Starla's doing her massages still Mm -hmm. and um, sourdough. Those are the main things we're doing right now. Well, I love that. I love that you're really actually following kind of the homestead model and just, you know, selling what you're producing, selling what you're Mm -hmm. able to do right there. And, you know, that, that just makes it so doable for people. It's Mm -hmm. not even like you have to go, gosh, be the best pork producer in the area, but to just start selling your excess or what you can do a little bit more of, you know, you can make a little bit more bread. You can maybe raise a few more chickens Mm -hmm. and see where that takes you. And it's a great way to kind of wade into the idea of making a little income. But I don't want to spend all of our time here because today we're really talking about elderberries and I'm excited about elderberries because I have also been, you know, working with elderberries as medicine for many, many years. And uh, in fact, it was one of the first uh, 
foraged herbs, I think that I identified Mm. where I lived in Southern California, even when I was in high school, like long Mm. time ago, forever ago. (laughs) And, um, you know, started foraging those and making medicine out of them and finding all sorts of fun things. And and at this point, we do all sorts of fun things. Um, I will one day tell you guys the story about the elderflower champagne that I made one year that the guests had to like put a raincoat on and catch it when we opened it because it was so explosive. Um, We've had a lot of fun elderberry elderflower uh, experiments around here. But I love it because it just fits into this category of medicine, food, tonic, like Mm -hmm. everything. Everything. Yeah so accessible it tastes good so kids mm-hmm. love it it is free if you go forage it mm-hmm. it's phenomenal medicine like and you can top your pancakes with uh, you know syrup like where do you get such versatility out in on the roadside like yeah. i i just really love this i feel it's kind of like it's kind of like the gateway herb like <laughs> into the deep dark worlds of uh, uh you know herbalism (laughs) of herbalism and uh, foraging. So I really like it. So I want to dive in there, but so let's start off really quickly. What is elderberry um, as a plant? I mean, obviously somebody who came to this and they're like, I don't even know what elderberry is. They've picked up the fact that it's a plant that you can pick wild around the place, but what is it? Explain a little bit to us. Yeah. Well, I'm actually surprised the amount of people that I talk to even uh, had a meeting with the distributor for our for our brand, and he's like, "I've never heard of this stuff. Like, I've never ever heard of the word elderberry before." So, it's um, so around here, especially, uh, it grows really wild. I mean, it's everywhere around here. It's along every corner, the edge of every cornfield. It's on the side of every road. We've got it on our church property, um, and it's just a big bush ish type of thing um that has these amazing beautiful white flower clusters um around the month of june they're really easy to spot because Mm -hmm. they have these beautiful white flower clusters and then once those um turn into these berries these tiny little i don't even know how how big would you describe an elder berry it's not even pea-sized yeah, smaller than a smaller. pea. Mm-hmm. Smaller than a pea. Um, these beautiful purple berries. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, all the things that you said, like um, for thousands of years, have been mm-hmm. used and have just re- just recently fallen off the radar completely. And and thankfully, it's making a comeback. Mm-hmm. Um, but have you been used for everything from, you know, the hardwood from musical instruments uh, because the main, the main trunks are hollow. And so they could be used for woodwind instruments and you have the leaves and the flowers. And I, I did, I've never even heard of the champagne. We're going to have to talk about that because I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> it's explosive. I'll just tell you that. At least the way I made it was explosive. But, um, but yeah, and that just goes to show you, because here I was experimenting with foraging elderberries when I lived in the mountains of Southern California growing up. Here I'm in very far north Idaho, and I'm like, oh yeah, we've got elderberries all over here. 
ours mm-hmm. just happened to flower more like July rather than mm-hmm, June, right. maybe even August because we're so late. Mm-hmm. Um, and here you guys are in Southern Indiana and you know, you've got them all over there. They are kind of all over the place. They really are. And so this is something that everybody should know. Um, for all that spread though, are there a lot of different varieties when it comes to elderberries? There, there are, there's these different variations of it, but what you're going to find today is primarily two variations there. You have like the European, um, and then you have an American and that's pretty much the, the two main varieties that you're going to find. If you, if you Google it or Amazon it or whatever, those Mm -hmm. are, you're most likely going to find European commercially Mm -hmm. and then what you're finding foraging and what we're finding foraging are going to be the American variety typically. Okay, great. Are there any varieties that are out there that should not be used if you're like wandering around in your area and you're like, Oh, look, I have these, uh, you know, white elderberries or red elderberries. Can I use these for medicine? Are there any that shouldn't be used? I've seen some concern over red elderberries. Mm -hmm. Um, but generally, I ha- I haven't seen much else. Uh, like typically, of what you're going to find is you're going to find that American elderberry. And now I would say, be sure you know what you're doing. Like properly identify your plant and things like that. There's great apps out there that can do that. Um, I I have seen some concern over the red elderberry, and I tried to read some research on that. And some people would say, well, if you you know, if you're cooking it, it doesn't matter. Mm. Be cautious, know what you're doing, like know what you're looking at. Um, but generally, I think for what most people will find if they're foraging is now we don't eat them raw. Right. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. What, what would a raw elderberry do to you? So if, if it was the European elderberry, that would make you sick. That's cyanide, isn't it? They contain really small amounts of cyanide. Right. So you wouldn't want to eat that one raw for sure. The American doesn't have that in it, but I still don't think you'd really want to eat it raw. Um, You could probably juice them and use the juice for things if it was an American uh, version that you identified as American elderberry. Um, I think I think that like the side effects that can make you nauseous and things like that. Um, maybe I like can do some vomiting. Um, I mean, it's not going to be like you're going to go on like a psychedelic trip and then you know be found laying out next to your elderberry <laughs> bush. <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty uh, minimal side effects. If you get uh, you usually just get a tummy ache, I think. So best practice is to have the blue or black ripe fruit if you're using the fruit of the elderberry plant just you know blue or black is probably the safest from my understanding there are green elderberries that are green when they are ripe Um, Mm -hmm. that the jury's still out on that one from what i've heard same thing kind of with the red is like "Eh, some people are cautious some people are like i've been using them my whole life never had a problem um there's always that one guy right that's been using it his whole life (laughs) and uh so yeah 
going with the, the the black or the blue and ripe and making sure that you've either dehydrated them first or cooked them first in some form. Usually deal with all of the safety precautions when it yeah. comes to elderberries. Are there any other parts of the elderberry that you would make medicine from or do anything with? Yeah. Yeah. So people have used the leaves for cosmetics. Um, I think, well, for sure you can use the flowers mm-hmm. uh, for teas. We, and- we'd use dried elderflowers in our teas, um, all of those things. Uh, they have used like the leaves. You can, uh, they've been making salves out of them, um, topical, you know, for um, topical injuries and things like that, or skincare issues. Um, and then you have you have like the the instrument aspect of mm-hmm. it, like I mentioned. It's and it, just a crazy, extremely versatile plant. Mm. Yeah, that I know the flowers, especially in Europe, are a very popular medicine and flavoring. You know, they do a lot of flavoring with the elderflower out there. But uh, but generally, you know, staying away from the other parts is is fairly safe, right? Especially when you're consuming it internally. I know there mm-hmm. are some people who go so far as to st- say, like, you can't get any of the little stems in there when you're mm-hmm. when you're harvesting a cluster of berries. And I do not hold to that personally. I've never seen that in evidence. And I do a lot of steam juicing of things that are uh, pains to handle any other way. And elderberry to me definitely falls into that category of like, if I'm going to do a ton of them, I'm going to steam juice them. That way I don't have to worry about getting them all the little stems off or anything like that. And I just steam juice them right there with those little cluster stems and it works out just fine. Um, so that, you that's a really s- quick way to go. What do you, when you say steam juicing, what are you, how are you doing that? Yeah. So if you look up what's called a steam juicer, it's actually Mm -hmm. something that uses steam to extract the juice out of fruit. And I've, I've now gotten myself a second one because anything that I want to process in large amounts that I'm going to use the juice for, I go ahead and do that because I can do gallons in an hour without separating off the parts that need to be fussed over Mm. uh elderberries is kind of a classic example of that currants any of the currants that are going to get little parts in them i just do that uh plums i have these plums that are just a pain they're little and they have big old pits and they're delicious and make the most phenomenal jams and jellies but they will take you days to pit every single one. And I'm just like, I can't spend this kind of time for jelly. And so now I just throw them all in steam juicers, pull the juice and we're done in a couple hours. And so, uh, but elderberry falls right into that for me and can be really, really helpful. Let's talk about the health benefits of elderberries because this is really, I think with COVID, uh, elderberry is one of those things that really kind of came to light, even though some of us have felt like it's kind of a famous herb for a long time, <laughs> but I think COVID really brought the benefits of elderberry out into the surface a little bit. Um, so let's talk about that. What, you know, what are the health benefits of elderberries? Yeah, I'll, she's, she's uh, familiar with uh, some of the studies and things that have done, but just generally speaking, you know, um, everybody loves blueberries because of the antioxidant levels. 
Um, and elderberries actually have like twice um, the antioxidant levels that blueberries have. So even just that alone, um, they're, they're a wonderful uh, fruit to have. Um, they have anti-inflammatory properties. They uh, boost immunity, which I know you don't have any of the specific studies in front of you, but. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, in general, there have been multiple scientific studies and the bottom line is that elderberries decrease the severity and duration of viruses. That's what they've discovered. And if you talk to anybody who especially has a handful of children, that's what they are going to find is that it really does. It takes what could be a two to six week virus. And it really usually for us, we do, we also take a few other things in addition to the elderberry, um, but things that used to last for four weeks last for five days, usually in our family. Yeah. Um, so it really does help decrease severity and duration. It also really helps with upper respiratory infections and viruses. Yeah. Um, Which is why I think it got so, it got such good press during COVID um, because, and they, they've had study, they did studies during that time. Uh, the COVID studies are minimal, but the up uh, the respiratory studies are pretty substantial that they've done um showing how they serve those who have like upper respiratory infections and things like that for people who would need other help outside of you know rescue medications it it basically keeps them from needing the rescue medications when they are taking elderberry which that's a huge deal i mean yeah. you could save thousands of dollars and keep yourself basically almost in homeostasis instead of needing something to really bring your body back into what it should be. Which we have that anyway. personal experience. One of our daughters um, would have to do breathing treatments and things like that. She would have what would seem to be close to like anaphylactic responses at a, at a certain season um, but her using, it's a lot of factors, but diet and our home and things like that. But I think the elderberry serves her well in that respect because Definitely. she's prone to, she's prone to those respiratory issues. Yeah. So there were a few years where our third kid, our fourth kid, uh, just had asthma for a few years and she couldn't breathe. I was a hippie crunchy mama already. And then my kid got really sick and I thought, how can this be happening? And the Lord really used that to humble me. Uh, so I'm thankful for that time, but it was pretty horrific. And through lots of, we tried the traditional medicine route second and it's, that still didn't help. And then I really dove deep into alternative medicine and it, a lot of those things helped. And elderberry is certainly one of the things that helped her a lot. Um, but I would say, especially the recipe that we use now and sell is amazing. It has so much ginger and more elderberries than maybe the normal recipe would have. Um, and it really has kept our family so well since we've been uh, using it. And this is the 
this is the book that John Moody wrote. The recipe is in there. Um, and it really is a gem. I mean, really everyone should have it on their coffee table because it's a great conversation starter. I, I think you're right. Elderberry is a great gateway for a lot of people to start using things other than pharmaceuticals or over-the-counter medi- medications. For those of you guys who are listening and not watching, that book is called The Elderberry Book. Is that what book. it was called? Mm-hmm. you read yeah. that to us? By John Moody? By, no. mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Um, you know, elderberry is such a great herb because it falls into this special little niche that's called immunomodulating herbs. And, you know, we really often think about... Um, maybe, maybe it's kind of our Western society, Western culture that deals with this, just like, I'm just busy and doing my thing until all of a sudden I get hit with this like brick wall of I'm sick. Right. And so we kind of tend towards these immunostimulating herbs that are like, Mm -hmm. I'm sick now. I need, I need this huge, uh, immune response right now. Mm -hmm. And that's an immunostimulating herb, but Elderberry kind of falls into this other category that's this immunomodulating herb, which is kind of like you take it and you take it and it kind of builds and it strengthens your immune system and it calms down this part of your immune system that's overreacting and it helps like get you balanced and gets you ready to fight whatever you need to fight in kind of this deep sort of way. It's not this kind of like surface like, yeah, we're just going to hit them with all we've got sort of herb. Although it does have some elements where it can really attack. So Mm -hmm. it's got this immune modulating feature, but then it actually has uh, some of its constituents actually directly fight the viruses, which is really exciting. Like they go on attack and they kill viruses. This is really well documented for the influenza virus. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it actually, you start to get that flu and these, these uh, different constituents are just going to come in and they're going to like hunt down parts of this virus and just attack it and kill it. So you kind of start working on these multiple different levels of like, okay, my immune system's stronger. I'm ready to fight. Mm -hmm. And then you bring in this like backup force that's like killing off the viruses directly and then on top of it, it's helping with inflammatory response. So it's helping right. bring that down to help your body, you know, work. And then some of the ways that elderberry works in your immune system is through cytokine. So it actually increases the liquid around in your immune system, in your lymph system that helps your your immune system communicate with each other, right? Like here are the invaders over here, here are the bad guys. And so it starts increasing that, which can be amazing most of the time, a really strong thing. However, there is some concerns that that those cytokine responses can actually create additional breathing problems if you already have really deep, heavy lungs from Mm -hmm. a really bad cough. Because then all of a sudden it's your immune system with the help of that elderberries bringing in extra liquid. And you're like, that's the last thing you need in this really deep, heavy cough. So I know at the beginning of COVID, there were some herbalists that were coming out and going, oh, don't take elderberry for, Mm. um, for COVID because, you know, because the cytokine storm possibility. And there are others saying, hey, this is just totally fine. Um, you know, did you guys find this to be a real issue with cytokine storms and cytokines during this time? 
No, I don't think we've really seen it be an issue. I've seen, we've read and seen the, the concerns that are out there. Um, but it doesn't seem that it's like an overwhelming uh, real concern. Um, and the thing that we've seen is like, especially if you're immunocompromised already, um, that that might be an issue. Um, like if you have an immunodeficiency or something like that, that that could be um, overstimulating and create that storm. Um, but I th- I don't think that that's a... So certainly for us, that hasn't been an issue. Um, but we would just encourage people that, you know, if you have an autoimmune disorder or something like that, you would just try elderberry and start slow. You know, don't take the maximum recommended dose daily. Maybe start with a teaspoon. Yeah, don't get sick and then once. chug a bottle. Right. Well, and, and we would recommend <laughs> right. We would recommend starting low if you have an autoimmune disorder. Um, but really, we take it every day. Really, once the vitamin D levels really start to drop. So I would say October through March, March April. probably is when we we take it every day, usually at least once. Um, and then we take it a whole lot more if, if we're sick. And I think that's why the recommendation, kind of like what you mentioned, that if you're taking it consistently and you're not just pounding it once you feel your body gets sick, then it doesn't have that like overstimulating effect, but your body is already used to processing this and knowing how to work with it. Um, and we, we even have a regular customer of ours. Um, she, she has lupus. Um, and she recently got a report from her doctor that I don't want to mess up exactly, but it was like, she had like no detectable effects of lupus on her body for the first time since she was diagnosed. And the, the only thing that she could pinpoint that she had done differently was regular dosage of elderberry syrup. So, I mean, it's, it's really treating those with medical issues. So obviously for the regular disclaimer, none of us are health professionals. So do your own research, talk to your doctor, especially if you have existing health issues Mm -hmm. or if you're on any pharmaceuticals, definitely, definitely, because herbs and pharmaceuticals do interact 100%. They absolutely do. So make sure you're double checking that. Right. But, you know, even back to the cytokine storm issue that there, there's a really simple answer to most things in the herbal world, that if you start having a negative effect, stop taking taking the herb. We're not right. talking about <laughs> a pharmaceutical drug that lasts in your system for the next 10 days. And you can't reverse the the effects. So that even for, you know, for COVID, the the real eventual response was, if you get really deep lung problems, then back off the elderberry for a few days. And then once the lung stuff starts to clear up, go back on it, then it's just fine, just in case that is affecting you. So um, so it's kind of one of those things that, you know, you have to know your body in order to work mm-hmm. with it holistically and you have to pay attention. I think this is 
particularly challenging for men in our society who are kind of told to like, oh, you know, it's just pain, just ignore it, man up through it. And it's like, I have to be like, no, you actually have to pay attention to it and tell me if I'm going to help you. Like, what are you feeling? Are you feeling better? <laughs> are you feeling worse? Like, let's communicate with our body a little bit and know what's going on so we can react to it and, and help it out while it's trying to heal. Um, but yeah, you know, definitely, like you were saying, taking it regularly in the season where you would expect to get sick Um is is kind of a really great way to give your body a jump start on having a healthy immune system that's ready to handle things. So let's talk about the different ways that you can use elderberry, like the different forms that you can put it in in order to actually consume it and get it into your body because there's a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. You guys have mentioned the syrup. Is that kind of your preferred method in your house? Uh it's the primary method. I don't know if it's necessarily, uh, we foraged, uh, a couple weeks ago, me and my daughter, and we made some elder jelly and they, they destroyed it. The kids absolutely (laughs) loved it. They would probably prefer that to be their method. Although mama doesn't because it's It's really messy. There was elderberry everywhere. (laughs) So we, it retains its staining <laughs> properties, even in jelly form. It's actually a really, <laughs> in jelly form, Absolutely. it's beautiful. Uh, the, even when I was just cleaning out the sink, it's a really beautiful blue when you make it from fresh uh, elderberries. So it is really pretty that way. But I think to be a little less messy around the house, probably the easiest way to take it is the syrup. And either pour it on a spoon or we actually just have pour spouts and we just kind of have them open their mouth and they're like little baby birds and we <laughs> pour it in. But we have, there, in. you can have mm-hmm. elderberry teas. And so like I mentioned, um, you can use the flowers uh, to make teas. You can use the dried berries to make teas. Um, if you're making your own, like find your own favorite blend of tea and just add a little bit of, you know, dried berries or, or flowers to it. Um, we have tinctures, we make tinctures yeah. as well. And so those are other great ways, uh, to get, and they're really simple. They're simple. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, like the teas, if you're a tea drinker, just add some elderberry and mm-hmm. you get the benefits of your regular routine of tea plus all the benefits of elderberry and it's a win-win. Yeah, that's a great way to go. You know, I started having, um, oh, I just didn't like the way my body felt when I had too much honey in in my system. I could feel like a, a blood sugar spike. And so mm-hmm. I was, you know, resistant to that. So I started doing um, a stabilized juice with 10% vodka. So I just juiced Mm. it and then would stabilize it. So it was shelf stable with just Mm. enough alcohol. So it's kind of like a, a juicier version of a tincture, Tincture, right? And Mm. that'll sit on the shelf and it's a little better tasting than the, the tincture. I just, I love the idea of tinctures, but oh man, I just can't 
find myself sucking down vodka first thing in the morning in that kind of quantity. <laughs> it just isn't going to happen. But yes, yeah, so you have that. Of course, you have wine. Gosh, I sound like an alcoholic. Like, let's talk about all the alcohol <laughs> to use elderberry, but it really does lend itself being in fruit form. You know, you historically have this great elderberry wine. You have the juice, you have the tea. Um, some people make gummies for their kids yeah. out of the elderberry juice, which is mm-hmm. a fun way to do it. I have too many kids to do that. The work to benefit ratio isn't high enough for right. my house. Um, you could do capsules too. So, um, so you guys, this is great. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us where we can find you and what kind of elderberry products you currently are offering. Yeah, you can find us at abbyselderberry.com. Um, and then some of our products, do you want to? Yeah. So we have the elderberry juice. Well, I mean, it's not juice, the but syrup. right. Is so, that what you're saying? Well, right. It's, it's just elderberry though. It, oh. We have some that doesn't have any sweetener, no in, sweetener it, in it. So people could just take it plain or they could add it to a smoothie or something. Uh, so they're getting all the benefit of the elderberry and the spices without any of the the sugar spike. Um, so there's that. We sell honey, elderberry syrup with honey. We sell elderberry syrup with maple syrup in it. Uh, elderberry syrup with... Uh, and we have the low-carb, the which, glycerin version. Glycerin, yeah, that's yeah. I couldn't think of it. Nice. Uh, with glycerin and then also a low-honey version of the maple syrup and then we have a variety of teas also we have we have four teas currently um three of them are herbal teas so we have uh two of them are a lemon ginger blend with with our organic elderberries uh one of those our elder boost has twice the ginger so if you like a little bit of spice and warmth into your tea uh, that's a good one we have a hibiscus elderberry tea and then we have a black tea that's an orange cranberry black tea, which is uh, really good. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is great. And people would go and find you over at abbeyselderberry.com. Is that correct? That is. And yeah. Brad and Starla were kind enough to offer our listeners a 15% off uh, coupon if you use the promo code homesteadingfamily at checkout. So go check it out if you haven't ever had elderberry before, if you're not familiar with the plant yet. Um, while you're trying to locate it in your area, go check out their products, get yourself some on the shelf so you can try it out and experience the great immune uh, modulating properties of elderberry You know, while you're waiting to make your own. So you guys, thank you so much and good luck on everything that you have coming up and everything you're doing. It sounds like quite an adventure, um, but it's great to get to talk to you. Yeah, we'll see you later. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.